Welcome to the Heritage Online Podcast. This is our weekly deep dive into the scriptures, the church, Methodism, faith, and following Jesus Christ. So you may remember uh, an ad campaign that was pretty popular, maybe back in the 90s, early 2000s. It had uh, Andre Agassi in it, he's a famous tennis player, but he was most famous for his fashion choices as he was playing tennis. You know, the average tennis player uh, at first wore a white shirt, uh, white shorts, white socks, white shoes. Wasn't really a sport known for its you know, color palette. So Augustine began to wear things like red, blue, green, sometimes combinations of all of those. And so he became a natural spokesperson for the Canon camera company. Now, before I go on, kids, you should know, there was a time when your camera was not in your phone. You had to have an actual camera that you could not make a phone call from. It was just a camera. And it was made by a company called Canon. They still make them, but you will never buy one because you have it in your phone. But their slogan was, image is everything. And so Andre Agassi would always end the commercial by saying, image is everything. And this morning we look at our next upgrade topic. Last week we talked about upgrading our relationships. This week we look at what it means to upgrade our image. And so we could think about what Agassi said. Is that really true? Image is everything. I can assure you that uh, back then, pastors, youth directors like I was at the time, pushed back and said, Images and everything. But his slogan was just catchier than ours. So those commercials became pretty popular. But if you look at what the scriptures say, for example, in Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26, perhaps it's true. Perhaps image is everything. It says this. Then God said... Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. 
and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, the other days, God created things, and he said it was good. On this day, the day when he created something in his own image, he said it was very good. And so maybe image really is everything. Maybe that's why the top 250 public relations firms in the country together build corporations or individuals about $14 billion last year. Sometimes we do things that require some work to be done on our image, don't we? Whether we're a person or a corporation, it seems image is always in need of an upgrade. And you know, we do some things that are pretty dumb, and you know, when we do those things, we should probably try to fix them, repair the damage. What does it mean for image to be everything? What does it mean for us to upgrade our image as followers of Jesus Christ? I was in my uh, meeting with the the team that's been helping me with uh, some of the sermon development, uh, and one of the members of that team, his name's Eric Barnes, many of you know Eric, Uh, and you can show the car now. He was telling us about how he came out of his house one day and his car was covered in pollen. Now, if you know Eric, you know that he's really in more of a minivan stage of life than the BMW. But keep at it, Eric, you'll get there. But he did say that he came out, he hosed off the, the pollen and felt pretty good about how his car was looking. But then he was driving his car around, pulled up next to a, another car that was covered in pollen. And he sort of confessed to us that he looked at this other car like, Haha, my car's way better than that one. Only because he had just washed it like 10 minutes before, right? So sometimes we get caught up in our own image and sometimes we hold others to perhaps an unfair standard we consider their image. So nothing else, we may have a skewed view of what image is really all about. One of the things that we talked about in the meeting was our need to take stock of where we are. What do we think about our own image? How do we see ourselves? And how do we see others? Usually, if someone were to ask you, you know, tell us about yourself. Who are you? What are you all about? We usually lead with one of three things. What do I do? What do I have? Or what do people say about me? Right, those, if you cover those three things, often you've basically covered just about all of what you normally would share in your opening introduction to yourself, what you do, what you have, what others might say about you. It's interesting because when, uh, when Jesus comes into the world, right, God loves us to a degree that he was willing to step into this world personally 
to help us. Because we were created in the image of God, and then we damaged the image, didn't we? Because of our sin, because of our choices, we began to less and less look like the image of God in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions. The image of God in us was cracked, broken, blurred. And so God sends Jesus into this world to be one of us, to be with us, to forgive us for those things that caused the image to be broken. And then by God's sanctifying grace to help restore us and begin to repair that image so that we can more and more look and sound like the image of God. You know what's interesting is that the first thing that the enemy does, Jesus begins his ministry, he is baptized, and then is about to begin his ministry, and the first thing that happens is Satan shows up. Not Santa, Satan shows up. And his plan to get Jesus off track is to point out three things. First, he tempts him. Hey, you're hungry. You've just been fasting. Take this, this, these stones. Turn them into bread. Let's see what you can do. Then he takes him up to a high place, shows him all the kingdoms of the world. He says, I'll give you all of this. Think about what you can have. Then finally, he says, he takes him to the highest point of the temple. He says, why don't you have angels carry you down into the courtyard from here? Imagine what that would look like. Imagine what everyone would say about you if they saw you do that. Satan, to get Jesus off track, asks him to think about what he can do, what he could have, and what people might say about him. The same three things that are usually the first things we share about ourselves when telling someone about who we are. Listen to what Paul writes in his letter to the Colossians. He says, You died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world. See, when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, right, we're baptized into, into Christ. We are joined with him in his death. The old is gone, the new has come. We died with Christ. He goes on to say, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, These are idolatry. We believe that actually uh, the first letter of John is probably the last thing that was written that was included in the Bible. 
It's the, the latest thing that was added. Hear what he says in 1 John. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. My daughter Ashley, most of you have seen Ashley saying up here, uh, she became a grown-up this week. Happened in one one week. It's pretty sudden. But see, she got her driver's license. She drove herself to school by herself this week. Uh, She also, as a huge coffee fan, she got a job at Starbucks, her first job. So she's living the dream. And... uh, so, so, you know, before getting the job, I gave her a ride to her interview, because that was before she was a grown-up with her car and whatnot. But she's really nervous about her interview, and so, you know, I'm thinking about, well, what's the, the wise, sage thing that her dad should say to her in this, in this pivotal moment in her life? And I had nothing. It's been a while since I applied for a, you know, a job in high school, <laughs> so uh, I didn't have anything fresh. So I did what I do. <laughs> I prayed for her. I said, let's, let's pray together. So we prayed for her interview. And as is often the case, when we you know, dig down deep into our own souls for something significant, the well's pretty dry. But when we consult the Lord... He usually comes through and gives us something far better than we would have had ourselves, right? So it occurred to me to ask her, you know, as you nervously go into this interview, I wonder what it would be like to walk in there thinking about what it's like for the person interviewing you. They're opening a new Starbucks, like they're probably trying to find a bunch of people to fill all the time they're going to be open. They probably feel overwhelmed. They feel pressure. So maybe walk in there with some compassion for them, thinking about what, what they're going through. I bet you'll be the only person who goes into the, these interviews concerned about how the interviewer is doing. But you know, if I interviewed someone who came in for a job interview and what I got for them was that they seemed to care about me and want to come through for me and be a good member of my team because they were showing me kindness. I'd hire you. So I felt pretty good about that. 
I thought that was really sage. Uh, although she goes into the interview and they really needed people. Her interview lasted four minutes. <laughs> so, and, it, and because she was so impressive, that's what it was. It wasn't that they were desperate. Uh, but, but I really felt like, oh, that was really good stuff. It's too bad she didn't get to use any of it. So I'm going to save it and use it on you. But really, it, it, it's really true that you know, our, our obsession with how we look to others is pretty much exactly what Satan tried to get Jesus to think about to ruin his whole ministry on earth. Our obsession with thinking, with measuring ourselves by what I do, what I have, and what others think of me actually ruins our ministry. If Satan's making a plan to throw Jesus off, he asks him to think about what you can do, what you can have, and what others might say about you. Seems to me that those are the last things we should ask anyone to focus on, whether it be about us or about themselves. Those apparently are not the image that Moses is talking about when he writes about the image of God in Genesis. See, this passage from 1 John, it's well known. It's the place where we hear it said that God is love. It says, whoever does not know love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So God loved you enough to send Jesus into the world to live for you, to suffer for you, to die for you, to rise again before you, Because God loves you. God is love. Think about it. Love itself loves you. Yet we continue to measure ourselves by what we do, what we have, and what others think of us. It seems that the best way to think about how we can upgrade our image is to make sure that our image is restored to what it's supposed to be, which is to be the image of God. And God is love. The thing people should know about us more than anything else is how much we love them. May it be said of us when our time is done by anyone that knew us 
they felt loved by us. We talked in the, uh, the team meeting a few weeks ago about where to start. And I think small steps are okay. You don't have to go from being the image that's broken to the image of God tomorrow. God's grace is sanctifying. It puts us on a journey of becoming more and more holy, more and more like Jesus Christ. So I ask you, what is first? What is the first small step that you might take to stop measuring yourself by what you do, what you have, and what others think of you? And instead, describe yourself, measure yourself by your capacity to love others, by the experience of others being loved by you. I've been in this world for 47 years now. And you know, I've begun to realize that the world probably doesn't need a whole lot more people who have abundant clarity about what they do, what they have, and what others think of them. But it sure could use more people who are willing to love others. It sure could use some more people who are willing to reflect the image of God, the image of love itself in this world. So I'm going to close this in prayer, but I want to offer an opportunity to you. It's very possible that maybe some of you sitting here this morning in person, some of you watching at home online, may have gotten to know about Jesus. You may have heard a lot about Jesus. may have read the Bible, been to church some. Maybe you've been to church a lot. But you've never taken that step of beginning that personal friendship with Jesus Christ, where you, in prayer, simply say, I'm opening the door. Jesus, come on in. I need your forgiveness. I need to have the image of God restored in me, and I'm ready to begin that journey. I want to invite you to make that invitation to Jesus this morning. Or maybe you have made that commitment before. And maybe it was a while ago, and maybe it's been a while since you enjoyed that friendship. Maybe it's been a while since you really felt that intimate connection to God, where you're you felt your value coming not from who, what you do, what you have, or what others think of you, but instead came from your capacity to love others. Maybe during the pandemic, those things that held you close to the Lord, your time in prayer, time in the scriptures, time in your small group, attending worship, being generous, being a servant, doing evangelism, maybe those things have gone by the wayside and you haven't felt that closeness to the Lord lately. I'll invite you also, as we pray together, to invite him back in to that central place in your life so that you can reflect more and more the image of God who is love itself.